Cracked fans, welcome back to another episode of the Cracked Interviewed Podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Duvall, and today, boy, am I excited about the guest we have. I'm a bit older than her, but I remember seeing her in juniors and, of course, in the pros. She's a former junior world number one. She's won one WTA premier titles and has three top 10 wins in her career. At just 21 years of age, she's already faced so much adversity in her young life and still manages to be so positive and such a warrior. Anna Kanyu, Anna, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, no worries. Thank you for having me. So when I was doing some research, I saw a video where you said your nickname is Archie, Anchie? Anchie, yeah. <laughs> Anchie. That's awesome. For the sake of the podcast, we'll just stick with Anna. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, so I think I speak for everyone when I say that it was so heartwarming to see your tweet about being back on court after eight months. I can only imagine how long your journey has been for the last couple of years. So how are you doing? Well, yeah, it's been a long journey. It was a whirlwind, honestly, of emotions, of experiences. And I'm just, you know, thankful to be on court again and pain-free finally and hopefully, you know, ready for next year. Yeah, so for those of us who don't really know fully what happened, I know you've had four elbow surgeries. Um, Tell us a little bit about how that started and just kind of your progression throughout all those moments. Well, it started like really early. I think I was like 12 and the pain started slowly and I just couldn't figure out what was the problem. I saw a lot of doctors and opinions, but I just kept going. You know, I was taking painkillers for every match, which was, which was frustrating for me. But finally, you know, one doctor told me that I need surgery. And I was like, okay, like I can handle one more year of playing and then I'm going to do surgery. Because I was like in that stage where I just should end like my career under 14. So going into juniors. And so I did it when I was 16. It was for the plica syndrome. It's like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> but uh, I was pretty good after it, like for three and a half years, no pain. You know, I started going pro and everything. You know, I won my first WTA as well. And suddenly I was in Toronto, I think, in 2017. And I just woke up one day. I couldn't extend my arm, which was like really weird, like out of nowhere. And I was with my physio and we like went to doctors to do an MRI scans and stuff. And they found out that I have, like, elbow impingement syndrome. And that means that I usually should have another surgery. And I was like, oh, my God, like this again. And so I decided to do it. And I went for it. And I did the rehab. Like, I think I had, like, five months off. And coming back and then just finding out that the pain came back on after only, like, two matches, I think. So I just didn't know what to do. I thought that like we handled the problem, uh, but the pain was different. So I went all around the world to see doctors and to get a few opinions on what to do next. And so they advised me maybe to have another surgery just to see like what, what's inside because on MRI scans, they couldn't really figure out what's, what's wrong. And so I ended up in USA in Mayo Clinic and with this one doctor, Sean O'Driscoll, I don't know if you guys know him. But so he like gave me a few options and one of them like were even if I have some kind of cancer or like a treatise or something. But he just put all those aside and told me like I need to go inside to see like the real situation and then I'm gonna tell you what to do. 
So that was my third surgery. It was really arthroscopic, I would say. Nothing too bad, but I also needed rehab after it, like for a few months. And then he was like, after it, I really didn't see much. You know, I did, I cleaned the joint, I took out the fluid and the soft tissue that was building inside. So it should be you know, fine for now, but I really don't know what was causing all of that. And so I was really in the unknown as well. And I came back on tour. I thought that everything was fine. I did a preseason. I didn't feel any pain. And once I went to the first tournament, after two matches, my arm started hurting again. And I was like, and I had like three stress reactions or whatever. So I really didn't know what to do. Like, I didn't want to have any more surgeries because obviously nobody know what was the cause. So I said, like, maybe I should just take six months off. You know, maybe never had enough time to recover. And I, I did that. So I didn't touch my record for like six months. I did a whole preseason again for a few months to get ready for tournaments. And that was this year once I came back in February. So I played like four matches and I was done. Like my elbow was in such a mess and I just couldn't even extend my arm again. I had a few kinds of pains and I was like, you know, I need to stop. I know what to do now. And I've been again all over the world to see some doctors and I ended up like with ligament specialist, Dr. Andrews, which was probably the last option that I had, uh, ligament reconstruction. And I just came for his opinion in USA after a tournament. And I ended up going with my physio. And I remember just having an appointment with him on that day in the morning. And he examined me, looked at my MRI scans, did the, his own. And he told me, like, can you come back in the afternoon? Like, I need to think about it. Your case is a bit complicated. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, sure, you know. I'm going to come back. And so I did. And I remember coming back and he brought two other doctors with him in the room and him asking me, like, is there anything else you want to do in life? I was like, oh, my God. I In that moment, I think I realized how serious the situation is. I was like, not if I have to. <laughs> like, this is all I wanted to be and I want to continue being that and if there is a solution. And he said to me, like, okay, then I'll see you in like 10 hours in surgery room. I was like, oh my God, like I had to make a career defining decision in five minutes. And I was really scared, but I think today I'm kind of glad that it all played out that way because I didn't have time to overthink things or like what to do next. Like, should I do it? Should I not? Should I come home and think about it and then lose time? So I decided to do it. And the next day <laughs> I was on the surgery table doing probably the, you know, the most important decision of my life. And so I, here I am eight months after finally on court. And hopefully, you know, I have a long way to go to prepare. And but hopefully I'm going to come back next year even stronger. That's such a great perspective to have, obviously, like going through so much and being so scared. You know, I feel like surgery is just a very tough thing to go into automatically. You never know. Obviously, you put your trust in the doctors, but you really never know what can happen after surgery, you know. So I think that's that's been such an incredible journey. I know you said you started having pain when you were a lot younger and were on painkillers until your doctor decided that it would be better for you to have your first surgery. Do you remember anything specific happening when you were younger or did it just was it something that just started hurting and then it progressively got worse? 
Well, it slowly started hurting, like, in my biceps the most. And I was like, I went to all those scans and everything, and nothing was showing that's wrong with it. So I was, you know, going with it. I was taking painkillers because otherwise I couldn't play. But the weird thing is I didn't feel it at practice, so I felt it only on matches, which was, I don't know, I guess it was uh, stress or something. I have no idea. But I don't think I'm going to know even up until today. But I guess it was all really a cause because this is the real problem that I I hope solved now and that everything will be fine. Yeah, I, I obviously we're all hoping the same for you. I can't imagine how hard that must have been dealing with four surgeries. And I know a part of being so successful at such a young age you know you won Eddie Hurt in Orange Bowl in singles and doubles as a junior you won the Australian Open in January in 2013 and then that same year you moved into number one in the world and then later that year you won US Open juniors um I can only imagine how I mean I guess my question is did you feel like you were a bit invincible at that point like because I, I think a lot of people, obviously, when they're very successful, very young, you never imagine something so hard happening to you. Is that kind of how you felt when you were younger? Well, definitely there was a time where I really felt good on court and I had really a lot of self-confidence. But I didn't really imagine all of this, you know, coming in my future because I had that surgery after my junior career. So I think that I was really happy with how it ended. And I think I was 15 when I stopped, if I'm not, I'm not sure. But I think after I stopped juniors, the problem started like, kicking in. And I was really frustrated, honestly. And I didn't know what to do. And I think that's the worst thing because you didn't know, know what's wrong with you and you cannot help yourself. So I think that all of that really taught me a lot. And probably I took some things for granted. <laughs> I'm going to admit that. And I think it's going to teach me you know to just cherish every moment I have on court and because you never know how long you have you have and it might be taken away from you and then you will you know you don't know what to do with your life just as me right now but I'm really hoping that this will be it and that I'm gonna you know continue doing what I do the best yeah, I mean, I think with that perspective, no matter what, you're setting yourself up for success. Um, and and you go back to when you stopped at 15. I think this was obviously happened before you stopped when you were 15, but you were able to represent um, the Croatian Fed Cup team, and you defeated number 38 Aga Radwanska at the time. I can imagine that being pretty overwhelming at just 15. You know, you have to process playing for your country and doing it under such big circumstances you know like what was that like for you to get that call when you were just 15 years old saying that you're gonna play for Croatia yeah it was a really big deal even though we were not in that group one or whatever <laughs> but still you know after winning that junior Australian Open I got a call from our Fed Cup captain Eva Maioli which is you know she's still our captain now and I think I'm, I've known her even before and she's seen me play and I think that she just wanted to give me a chance and you know of what it's going to be like in the future, you know, playing with the pro players. And when you have that chance, I think you should just take it and enjoy it as much as you can. And that's exactly what I did. You know, I went on court, no pressure. I gave it my all. And, you know, the result was overwhelming, I guess. Uh, and really, I was really happy. And the team was really happy. And I think that was really a stepping stone in my career, I would say. 
yeah, I think it was obviously a moment that propelled you going forward in 2014. You made your top 100 debut at just the age of 16, and you became the youngest player in the top 100, which is no easy feat, especially at your age. Um, I guess for some people transitioning from juniors to pros, it's not always a smooth transition, but obviously you were no stranger to success when you were really young. Did it feel like natural I guess that you would have success so quickly in the pros well I wouldn't say natural but I was I mean I'm gonna lie if I would say that I wasn't expecting it but I knew it's gonna be hard like you play those junior girls and you know matches are much lighter and uh, much I would say easier and then just going to pro level and not having any experience behind you and all those girls are so much older than you and they have a lot over you. So it was really tough, but I had a good team around me, you know, and I didn't let get intimidated. So when I would go on court, I would just focus on myself and not like who am I playing against and just like doing what I do the best. And I guess that really mindset, that was a good thing that I had. And the results started coming in and, you know, the ones who have results, the self-confidence is there. And I think you can achieve whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously for those of us who followed you from juniors to pros, myself included, even though I was playing alongside you, um, I, I think we can all agree that you were obviously very mature for your age as well. And and. I guess I'm kind of curious about this, but I know the locker room can be pretty intimidating sometimes. Um, so I guess my question is, when you started having success, you know, obviously at 16 in the top 100, and you started turning heads on tour, right? People were paying attention to you. Did you feel like you were established and you belonged there, or did you still kind of feel like the new kid just making an appearance on tour? I was a new kid, that's for sure. Like, in the locker room, girls were just looking at you. And I think that you had to make a name for yourself. And then once you do, you know, they're going to start treating you as one of them. And up until then, you're just, like, a new kid. Like, maybe you're going to win a few matches and then disappear. But I was really, you know, there to stay. And I was just giving 100% of myself. And girls started showing and respecting that. And I think that... Even now, when I come back on tour, like, I didn't know all these young girls, so now I'm feeling really old comparing to that time, but I'm really excited, you know, to come back. Yeah, I know, even when I'm sitting here watching tennis, too, I'm like, dang, I don't think I've been gone that long, but it seems like everyone's, like, 15 years old now. <laughs> I know, like, the tennis is so much, like, harder and bigger now, and so many, like, new names and new era, new generation coming in, which is great for tennis, I think, like, you know, for the future, because we're not going to have Serena and Maria and Simona forever, so it's really good to, you know, start now and uh, making your names. Yeah, for sure, and speaking of making your name, you won your first WTA title in 2015 in Nottingham, becoming the youngest player to win that event since 2006. It seemed like you were right there so many times before, you know, making quarters and semifinals of events. What was it like to finally lift that trophy after so long, after, you know, being so close so many times? Well, I'm, I wasn't expecting that, I'm going to tell you, because I remember I went to Dubai a few days before, 
and I had to, you know, deal with some stuff. So I haven't played tennis for like three days. And obviously, you know, grass court is my favorite surface to play on. And so I came to Nottingham, like not expecting anything. That was the first time of the season, you know, just trying to get, you know, acclimated on the grass. And so as matches progress on, I remember feeling, you know, even better as days go by. And then there was a rain delay and they moved us indoors. So we played like on hard court. And I remember that the finals were played on Monday because of the rain delays. And I was so beat until Monday. And I... I was playing, uh, who was I playing, Nicolescu, I think, because she beat Agnieszka in the semis. So she was, she's a really hard player to beat on grass, you know, because of her game and style. So I was really, you know, trying to find my own rhythm and my own game. And so I think it, it was three sets, so it took me a while, but, you know, <laughs> I got there and I was so happy. I, I just couldn't believe it. Like, I was so young and to just grasp that prospect of winning a WTA title at such a young age and then you know all the media around you and stuff so it was really hard to handle and uh, I was really happy but inside I just like I felt like I needed a break from this so after a while I went back and it felt like really good just to have that under my belt to have that title because now you know that you actually belong there yeah no that's awesome and and I think you your matches leading up to the finals I mean it seemed like you really handled everyone you played you know you, you said you had a long match in the final but your road to the final seemed like a really assertive one which was even more impressive um you also in 2016 I actually remember watching this in 2016 when you made your quarterfinal there um and you became the first Croatian player since Carolina Sprem to be in a Grand Slam quarterfinals I'm always curious about this because obviously when I see Simona Halep and when she goes back to uh Romania it seems like she's such a celebrity there you know so after after you had all your success, were you kind of a celebrity over there? Did, did people recognize you on the street and stuff? Well, yeah, kind of. Uh, at first, like, they would just make sure that they were, that's me. Like, if I'm, like, paying something in the store, like, you know, name on the card and stuff. And then they would, like, congratulate me, take photos with me. But it was a really great time, you know. The tournament is really, you know, close to my heart. And I think that that was the highlight of my career, winning against Advanska in, in um, was it a fourth round? I yeah. Think. But overall, you know, I felt so good. My game was on point. My, and I think that I was so relaxed there. Like, I was just doing stuff off the court as well, just making myself happy. And then I think that when I'm happy, I'm playing really good on court. And that really showed that tournament. So... I tried doing that afterwards as well, and then I reached, you know, my uh, career high ranking next year, I think, which was really a stepping stone as well, you know, being top 20 and stuff. And then, you know, things went downhill from there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's really tough. I mean, obviously, I feel like every step of your career has been such an impressive stepping stone which you know for you when you talk about kind of dealing with pain that whole time it makes it even more impressive um how you're able to you were able to manage um all of that so obviously um now in 2019 you're trying to figure out your best 
process getting back to the tour and I remember reading in an interview that you said that you were trying different rackets and different um, strings to possibly figure out a good system for your elbow so what are what are some of the things that you're doing to see um, what can help you coming back well yeah that was before this last surgery because I I was trying, you know, to figure out what's wrong with it. And I was thinking to myself, maybe it's the racket, maybe it's the strength. You know, let's try something new. And I even tried changing my serve and my forehand a little bit. And just adjusting to whatever, you know, the movement that hurt the most. So I've tried everything so far. But I guess nothing turned out to be true. So I'm now back <laughs> on my old racket and my old strings. But I'm really just trying, you know, to... Be a little bit more aware of the things that are affecting my arm and my elbows. So just trying to avoid all them and just focusing on, you know, what's the most important part. And that's just, you know, preparing myself for practice, stretching afterwards, massage and whatever it takes just, you know, to handle all the stress on it. And it's going to be like that for my whole career, I guess now. But I'm just really used to it by now, honestly. (laughs) Do the doctors have hope for you that you're going to be able to play your career completely pain-free, or do you think this is something that is going to be popping in in and out throughout your career? Well, the doctor told me that I'm supposed to feel a little bit of pain, like for the next year or so, and uh, everybody who had the surgery does. But then again, he told me that, you know, that there's like 80% chance of success after it, of coming back, you know, into your sport. And I mean, even becoming even more you know, like stronger and stuff. But then, like he said, I don't know if that is the case for you because I don't know what your diagnosis is. We just tried your last option because we eliminated mm-hmm. all the others. So there's a little bit less chance of you, your success of coming back. But like he's not doubting it. You know, you're young, you're healthy. And you got your like a lot of years in front of you. So I was just, you know, trying to take it step by step, day by day right now, and just doing whatever I I can to you know, make it good, make it better and healthy. And we'll see, you know, what happens. Yeah, I mean I think that's all you can really do, right? It just seems like such an overwhelming thing to just I know personally for me, like when something hurts, you're like, oh, just please just give me a break, you know, so I I can only imagine how tough that is. So to kind of get off the surgery questions for a little while, um, I know for a lot of people, obviously dealing with hard times is when you kind of really figure out who's in your corner and who's not. Um, did a lot of friends that you had on tour reach out? Like, how has your support been um, kind of as you've been going through all of this? Well, they've been, like, really nice. You know, I'm still in contact with some of the girls. You know, they still ask me how I am and when I'm coming back on tour. So it was a good feeling, you know, to actually hear from them and that I'm, like, they're missing me on tour and stuff. Uh, so I wouldn't say that, you know, some people turn their back on me or something like that. I have my, like, team behind me from, you know, all these years. So they were uh, with me every step of the way. And it's really good to have that support system behind you because you had you can have your bad days and that's when they come in, you know, and make you work even harder and uh, give you even more of yourself, which I think those are the most important days. Yeah, that's so great to hear. Obviously, that's 
so important dealing with hard times to really have people you can count on. Did you find it hard to watch tennis on TV this whole time that you've been in and out of competition? Definitely. <laughs> like I'm not what I'm not watching tennis, you know, when I'm in tournaments and stuff. That's like just not my thing. But right now I wanna watch it, but it makes me feel really sad that I cannot be there, you know, playing amongst them and just experiencing all this stuff. And I think that really made me realize how much I actually love what I'm doing. Because when everything is going great, when you're on tour, you just want, you like, break from it sometimes. And you're taking things for granted, as I said before. So I think that this time really taught me to actually, you know, live in the moment and just enjoy it because you never know when it can stop. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing to me. Obviously, I, I hear stories from not only uh, players in tennis, but players in other sports. It seems like that's the ground basis of your learning lesson when you go through something hard is you have to just appreciate what is in the moment, what is in front of you. It, it's crazy to think that life can change so quickly and these things can be taken away. I mean, I think you have such a great perspective. You're obviously still so young. It's, it's really great to hear how um, you're going about this. I guess my question is, what is when do you expect I know you just started training a week ago um that well your tweet was from a week ago but when when do you expect to be like a hundred percent training completely and back on tour um returning to competition well the rehab uh is usually around nine to 18 months after this kind of surgery but I couldn't be in those nine ten months so I'm kind of I would say like around 14 so that will make us maybe coming back around March or April next year if everything goes by plan. But it's really frustrating right now because nobody can tell you like what actually you can do what day. Like I don't have any numbers, like how many forehands I can play that day or serves or where should I start overheads and stuff. So there's really no rules, no like going by book and everything is just, you know, guiding you, your feeling and your gut, like what to do next. So I'm trying not to rush things, you know, trying to, you know, go even slower than I should probably. But I think it's better to do it now than, you know, regret it later. No, yeah, I mean, I agree. Obviously, with your history of having to sit on the sidelines so many times, I think that's a great perspective of just, you know, you'd rather almost take it slow at this point than hurry back into competition. It's time than, you know, actually come back and to feel pain again for whatever reason. Yeah, exactly. Um, so usually at the end of our episodes, Anna, this... I'm so, I have goosebumps right now <laughs> listening to you. Um, so usually what we like to do at the end of our episodes, we like to do some rapid fire questions. So you don't have to answer them very quickly, but um, I'm just going to hit you with some and let's see how you answer. Okay, so, let's hope for the best. <laughs> you'll be great. You'll be fantastic. So what is your favorite sport other than tennis? I'm really trying to get into NFL right now. <laughs> oh, football. <laughs> That's interesting. Is football big in Croatia? Not your kind of football. We have like what you call soccer around here. So that's like the main sport in Europe. But I was, as I was in America a few times and there was always television, like games and TV and stuff. 
So I was really trying to get all the rules and what is actually the goal of the game and the teams. And I'm really starting to get into it right now. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love that. <laughs> um, what is your favorite thing about Croatia? Uh, food, I would say, and my hotel, Dubrovnik. Oh, nice. What is your What is a typical Croatian meal? Oh, my God. There's so many. Uh, uh, depends if you like, like. Uh, soups if you like there's a lot of bread and olive oil here especially on the coast but I would say we call it like chevapi uh, it's like a mixed meats inside on the barbecue it's not really healthy like for <laughs> athletes but once in a while you can actually afford to eat it <laughs> oh my gosh that sounds so good oh. um, what is your favorite shot my backhand definitely I'm so happy you said that because I was like, I'm going to be shocked if she doesn't say her backhand. Your backhand down the line is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that even if I, if I don't play like for 10 years, I'm still going to, you know, make it and feel really good about it. Oh, that backhand is something else. What is one thing you're looking forward to the most in 2020? Playing my first match. Good answer. That seems very fair. Um, and lastly, what is your favorite American food? Ooh, uh, In-N-Out burgers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> California girl. <laughs> That's so good. Have you had the animal fries? No. Are they good? Yeah, well, I've only had them once. It's very unhealthy, but it's so good. It doesn't matter. When you go to In-N-Out, calories don't matter, right? Like, I do, they. Anna, thank you so much for talking to me today. This was seriously such a treat. No worries. It was really nice talking to you. You know, we haven't done that in a while. Yeah, it was so great to catch up. And thank you, Cracked fans, for tagging along for another episode. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. And we will see you on the next one.